0: date.
1: Good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How are all of God's blessed and highly favored people doing today? We are blessed and highly favored indeed, right? So today we are going to finish up our series on the minor prophets. Today, we're going to look at the book, discuss the book of Malachi. Now, I know everyone, when they hear the name Malachi, the first thing they think of is, oh, tithes and offerings, here she goes talking about money. No, I want to tell you, Malachi is more than tithes and offerings, although many Preachers, pastors, ministers, people in the clergy want you to believe that Malachi is the book of ooh, all we got to talk about is tides, which is not true. Yes, it's in there. But God was saying so much more to the people before he even started talking about the tides and the tides were attached to a whole series of displeasures that the Lord had with people, with his people at that time. So we're going to touch on all the points that the Lord told the prophet Malachi to tell the people, because at this point,
0: God was just done. I could just hear him saying, you know what? I'm done with these people. Enough of this. So,
1: There are six important points that God discusses with his people. And Malachi is the book that gives that discussion between God and the people. Whereas with the other prophets, we had God talking to the prophets to talk to the people. And they either like in Habakkuk was questioning God like, Why are you allowing all this to happen to us? Why are you not doing anything when you're seeing everything clearly of what's happening to your people? And then we had Haggai going to the people saying, look, put the things of God first, prioritize what's important in your life, what should be important to your life, build the temple, rebuild the temple. We're released from the Babylonians. We're being able, we're able to go back to our native land. Let's, give honor to God by building his temple. Don't just go and take care of your own personal stuff. And then we have, then we had Zechariah, who was foretelling the future of what was going to come. At that point, God was like, you know what? I'm not even going to deal with you where you at in your mess. I'm going to tell you where you're at in your mess, but I'm also going to tell you what's coming. I'm going to tell you what's coming down the line. And, but the, common thread through all of the minor prophets was the day of the Lord is coming. That was the common thread. The day of the Lord is coming. And by Malachi,
0: by Malachi, that they had heard that so much, they had almost turned a deaf ear to everything.
1: So when Malachi presents his message to the people, he presents it to them as if it were a, how we say, a roundtable discussion. That's what we have now. To, or a town hall, right, where you have questions and answers, questions and answers. That's the way Malachi was presenting what God had to say to them. It was like a town hall or even as if God was on the stage doing a TED Talk. You know, he's telling them, but yet he's asking questions of them, but he already knows the answer, so he's going to answer it as well. God was given a TED Talk to the people. So the whole time that Malachi is giving the message to the people, he's telling them how displeased God is with them and what he intends to do about it. And how many of us know that there are no coincidences in God? So I believe it was intentional that the final message that God gave to a minor prophet who was Malachi because he was the last minor prophet in the old Testament comes right before the new Testament, which ushers in Christ. Right? So he was giving them a little warning. Had he as the same way he had been doing the entire time, warning the people of what was to come. But in Malachi, he really, really warns the people of what is to come.
0: So, Here we have, let me set the stage for you. We have the people of Israel being apathetic towards the things of God.
1: And when you think about it, we could believe that because as I said, they were slowly slipping into that state over all the years that the minor prophets had been talking to them. God kept warning them of how they treat each other, how they interact with each other, how they are disrespectful and disobedient to him. He even went as far as was using their enemies to get their attention to teach them how to do the right thing. That didn't work
0: either. But my question to you is, why do you think the people had such apathy towards God? and towards the things of God? And I don't know the answer. Because if I did, I could solve world peace. But I I want you to think about that because
1: that's an important question to ask yourself about what's happening today. Why are there so many people that are not passionate about the things of God? But they're passionate about the things of social media. We today would be passionate about something, a new TikTok, right? I wouldn't be because I don't have TikTok, but people that do TikTok, they're passionate about that. They want to see what's the latest real, what's the latest, I don't know, whatever they do on there. But the people back then, they were fascinated with what the pagan gods were doing, what was the latest going on with the other nations and how they were living their life and turning up. And so... It was all the things that were outside of God, outside of the teachings that they knew to be true, that kept drawing them away slowly and slowly. And then over time, they just lost interest in the things of God, just as the people today have done. But Malachi, whose name means my messenger,
0: and the book is written in that same way that God was using Malachi to be the messenger to give
1: this message to the people. So as I said, there are six parts of the book that we're going to look at. There's four chapters, but it's broken. There's six distinct parts that the Lord is addressing the people about. The first one is he gives them that how much he loves them. So the first part is the love of God for Israel. The second part is the people's lack of respect for worship. The third is the careless view concerning marriage. The fourth are talking, the fourth part is talking about the injustices that he sees being done. The fifth part is withholding tithes and offering. And then the sixth part is God's judgment of sinners and his reward to those who are obedient. So let's begin with the chapter one and see how this all starts out. So we're going to begin with chapter one, verse one, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. So you see even the wording, the burden and not in the other ones, it was the message given to the prophet, the word given to the prophet. This is the burden. Like it's so heavy because anything, when you think of a burden, you think of something that's weighing you down And this word that Malachi had from God was going to weigh the people down. So in this chapter, God is telling the people how he loves them. And you know how God always starts out. He always starts out telling the people how much he cares about them, how much he has taken care of them over time, time and time again. He reminds them all the good things that he has done for them in their lives. So he doesn't just come out beating them over the head with a hammer. No, he tells them, you know what? I love you. And it's because I love you that I'm giving you these instructions. It's because I love you that I'm chastising you. It's because I love you that you have to feel the wrath if you don't turn around. It's my love for you that forces me to bring all these things upon you. So we have it in chapter one, and we're going to go to verse two.
0: I have loved
1: you, says the Lord. Yet you say, in what way have you loved us? Isn't that a question for somebody to ask after all those generations stemming from coming out of Egypt? But you're going to ask him, how have you loved us? God says, was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated and laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness even through edom even though edom has said we have been impoverished impoverished but we will return and build the desolate places thus says the lord of hosts they may rebuild but i will throw down they shall be called the territory of wickedness and the people against whom the lord will have indignation forever your eyes shall see and you shall say the Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel. So now in these verses, God is reminding them that there were two nations because remember when
0: Rebecca had the babies in in her belly, it was two nations and they were fighting, right? They were fighting in her belly and Jacob was one and Esau was the other. Jacob, of course, through all his trickster deeds, he
1: ended up being the one that God loved because the blessing was on him even from in the womb. God God knows everything. So even from the baby in the womb, Jeremiah even said that God told him, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's belly. So, Of course, God knew what was forming in the belly when the two of them were twins. He knew who was going to come out and do what.
0: So Jacob was the one that God loved. And he destroyed the Edomite. Who was Esau's people. And I love how God begins to tell them that all are going to know what he has done.
1: All the nations, because he says, he says to them, the Lord is magnified beyond the borders of Israel. So God is already setting the stage to let them know, trust me, you know me as your God. But before this is all over, everyone will know me as their
0: God, not just you. I am the God of all. So here we have. Point two
1: where God goes and tells the people how they've been disrespectful to him in worship. So we move down to verse 6. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am the master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts. To you priests who despise my name, yet you say, In what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar. But say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is that not evil? When you offer the lame and sick, is that not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts. So here God is pointing them out. You haven't even been giving me the sacrifices that I asked you for. Now, mind you, these sacrifices that the Lord set up were supposed to cleanse the people, cleanse them of all the sins that they had accumulated because, of course, we know sin came through Adam and Eve going back into Genesis. So they had been living through all that, but God had set up a way for them to bring him sacrifices in order to atone for their sins. So it had to be the, the animals that they brought to him had to be pure without any blemishes, without any sickness, without any broken anything. And you hear right here, what they were offering up to him on the altar Blind people, number one, why were they even offering up people, number one, but they had picked up all these traits, picked up all these customs from the paganism that was going on around them in the other nations and then from the other nations capturing them and then them being taken from their homeland and Having to live among all this, the Babylonians, then the, the Assyrian, first the Assyrians, then the Babylonians, then the Persians, and all these people were, we know how they were evil, horrible, wicked. So all these things the Jewish people kept picking up. So they started looking at it as, okay, well, this is what we use as sacrifice. That's what they use as a sacrifice. So if it's good for their God, it's good for our God, forgetting the, forgetting everything that they had been taught but getting everything that they had learned. So God asked them, do you not think that's evil? You offer up an offer that's sick, that's lame. Is that not evil, knowing what your holy God requires of you? Then he says, then offer that to your governor. Give that to the people who are ruling you. See if they'll accept you. See if they'll take care of you. See if he'll hold you in high standards. So God warns the priest that, he's begun to put curses on all their blessings because of the lack of reverence that they've been giving him and how they are leading the people astray. Cause think about it. The priests were supposed to lead the people in the way that they were supposed to go in the Lord, right? Just like our pastors and our
0: clergy people are supposed to lead the people today in how they're supposed to go in the Lord. now, Think about it. Love
1: and obedience for God. Yes, it has to be in our hearts. Yes, but it begins with the spiritual leaders. They're the ones that teach the people the things of God. But here we see that they were just going through the motions, offering God anything. Just give him anything. Just give him anything. He just wants an offering. Give it to him. It was just, oh, we're just following the ritual, just following through what we have to do. You know, we got to go to church every Sunday. We got to sit in the third pew, in the third, you know, in the third pew, in the third seat. We got to read this hymn on this day. Take this communion at this time with this color on this. Come on. We're doing the same thing that the people back there were doing. It became so ritualistic. God is like, hello. Does anybody even know that I'm still here? Or are you just following Follow him blindly because this is what we always do. So this is what we're always going to do the same way we've always done it. Hmm, come on. God is like enough is enough. Enough is enough. But the people didn't think that they were doing anything wrong. The people didn't think that they were doing anything wrong. They were like, what is, what is he complaining about? We gave him an offering. <laughs> it sounds like some of us today, right? So, Listen to what God tells them about their lackluster offerings. We jump down to verse 10. Who is there among you who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hands or from the rising of the sun. Even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. So here it is. Okay. God's telling them enough is enough. I've had enough of you people. I've been trying to get you to act right. I've been giving you chances, giving you direction trying to work with you sending you messages through the prophet listening to you cry and say oh woe is me getting you out of situations and you still treat me like this but i got something for you i'm i'm going to be great among the gentiles see god at this point is telling them it ain't all about you anymore it's not about just you anymore i'm sending i'm going out to everyone now My name shall be great. And in every place, they're going to burn incense in my name. And it's going to be a pure offering. He says, My name shall be great among the nations, meaning that it's not just all about you. I am no longer just all about you. And this right here, that's God proclaiming the coming of Christ because he's letting them know (laughs) your days are over, your days are numbered. I already told you the day of the Lord was at hand. The day of the Lord is coming. But before I do that, I'm going to bring everyone unto me, not just you. Because he said it, my name will be great among the Gentiles. So that right there was letting them know Christ was coming and he was going to be the presence for everyone to be brought back to God. So think about it. God is Christ, right? Christ and God are one. Christ said, if you see me, you've seen the father. So when he said his name was going to be great among the nations, he was just thinking about how he was going to come down and set the record straight. He was like, okay, y'all want to keep playing? This is me talking if God used our language with us today. Keep it up. Keep it up. I got something for you. This is what he would be saying. Keep it up. (laughs) I got you. I got you. So this brings us to the third point, which is the careless view towards marriage. And we all know marriage, God looks as marriage as like a sacred covenant, right? So here we are in chapter 2, verse 13. You cover the altar and the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying, so, does, so he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Yet you say... For what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and your wife of your youth with whom you have dealt treacherously, yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the spirit? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. As you can tell, (laughs) as you can tell, the Lord is fed up with his people by now because he's like, hello, why do you think I made you one? Why do you think I wanted you to stay together? Because I was looking for godly offspring. I was looking for you to create a union between you, which would then produce another godly being so that everything could follow in what I had taught you From the beginning. So yes, we see that God is fed up with his people. God is truly fed up with his people because of the way the husbands was dealing with the wives. They had gotten worse than back in Moses' time when they were just leaving them. Oh, she put too much salt in the food. Oh, she didn't put enough salt in the food. Oh, I don't have enough garlic. Oh, where's my leeks? Oh, oh, oh. It had gotten worse back then. They were just running amok because you remember the pagans were running amok. So everything that they saw, everything that they followed, and it, this just goes to show, and I just want to make this this, this um, I want to make this statement. It just shows you how quickly and how easily sin can engulf you. Think about it. They were people that had been taught to follow the Passover to keep these certain Commandments to do this, to do that. Yes, we know it was the law, and yes, we know it was hard for them to follow, but God set up things for them to adhere to with the priests, the way they had to wash their feet, the way they had to cleanse themselves and keep themselves separate. But when they got into the pagan world, it was like they just totally threw away everything. And that lets you look at sin today. You can, and I'm not saying be so holier than thou but the slightest little bit of sin that you let in that you think is not that important grows and festers and leads to something else which leads to something else which leads to something else and before you know it you're not even calling on Jesus anymore you're questioning whether there is a God of the universe you see what I'm saying because for the priest priest mind you and you know the priest came from a certain tribe Right. So that means all of them were taught these priestly duties. It had to be passed down. Not anyone could be a priest. Not anyone could offer up a sacrifice to the Lord. So you had to be taught in that manner. But for you to then give a sacrifice on an altar, that's, oh, here, just give it to him. It's enough. And you're following what the next guy did. The next guy that doesn't even know who your God is. That's why we have to be so so mindful, so careful, even in our daily walks, of the things that we lend our eyes to, our ears to, what we repeat, who we hang around. Because the little bit that spills over, spills over, spills over, over time can totally take you over. But there's more for me to tell you about how God is fed up with his people. And we'll get right back to that after we take our music break. You have been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, What Brooklyn Sounds Like. Oh.
2: In this moment, I just feel so far from you. I'm running out of options, and I don't know what I'm gonna do. It's my own fault, I'm gonna take the blame. Try some new things, they just ain't the same. So I'm deciding to leave the door open. Take too much of my time Take too much time away I've been stuck here in my own Tell me.
1: Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You are listening to what would Kay say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is now time for the part of the show that I call Op Ed. But before we go there, I want to give you our musical selections. First, we heard from Making Changes, of course, our opening song by Grace. And we heard from a classic. I had to take it throw back. Ain't no need to worry. The wine ends with Anita Baker, of course, singing on there. Of course, for those of you who don't know Anita Baker's voice, that was Anita Baker. And we had come on in by the Walls group. So now we're going to continue with this book of Malachi and go into seeing just what God has in store for the rest of what he had to say to the people. Now, number one, he started out telling the people before, like I said, he started bashing them. He told them that he loved them. Then he got on them about their lack of respect for worship because they were just offering anything up on the altar to him like it was okay. Then he talked to them about them being careless concerning the things of marriage and how marriage was important to him and why he made it a covenant and made them one because he was looking for holy offspring. He was looking for those to Continue on with what he had taught them. But God also told them, he also told them, don't worry, because my name will be great among the Gentiles and in every place, incense will be offered up to my name and it's going to be pure and my name shall be great among the nations. God letting his people know it's not going to be all about you anymore. Yes, I do love you. Yes, you were my first love, but you know what? Now I'm taking myself to everyone. And who does this sound like? It sounds like he's opening up the door for Christ to come in. So that's why they shouldn't have been surprised when they saw Christ come and how he was dealing with everyone. Like when they were getting upset when he was talking to the Samaritan woman. God told you he was opening up. He was going to all the nations and his name would be great among them all. So here we have it. Here we are now in chapter three, where God deals with them with the injustices that they have been doing. So here we are, chapter three, verse one. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day
0: of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? He is like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. So God is telling them. Here he is, he's telling them, I'm sending my messenger. And he's a messenger of the covenant in whom you delight,
1: meaning that you swear by this. Oh, yeah, we follow everything that you say, God. We do everything
0: you say do. But he's asking them, when he comes, who's going to be able to stand before him? Because he's going to be like a refiner's fire. A refiner's fire purifies
1: metals that are being made. Like when they're making gold, they put it in the fire. It purifies it. And a launderer's soap, you know what laundry soap does to dirty clothes. It's to wash out the stains and the dirt. So he's asking them, who's going to be able to stand before him when he comes? Knowing everything that they've done and everything that they are doing. So we jump to verse 5. And I will come near you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against sorcerers, against adulterers, against perjurers, against those who exploit wage earnings and widows and orphans and against those who turn away an alien because they do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. See, God is telling them right here. You see, when I say that my messenger
0: is coming, it's coming for judgment. And it's going to be swift against those
1: conjuring up evil deeds, the ones running around with everybody else's husband and wife, the ones who are lying out the side of their mouth about everything those who are exploiting wages, making people work for less and not paying them, those who are taking advantage of widows, of orphans, who turn away people who they feel aren't one of them
0: because they don't fear him. They're doing all this stuff because they, God, what is he going to do? He's still
1: blessing us. Obviously, we're doing something right. He hasn't done anything to us yet. And that's what people walk around thinking today. Well, God is still blessing me. I still got my car, my house, my job. I still get my hand, nails, feet done every week. What am I doing wrong? Cause I'm talking about so and so and what she did with the blah 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 blah. Hmm. Hmm. But God said, I'm the Lord and I don't change.
0: So even though you may think that it's right. I haven't changed a bit. I'm still not into that. But if you return to me, then I'll return to you. So here, now after God told
1: them that, straighten them out with their injustices, he then goes on to tell them about tithes and offerings. And now we go down to verse 7. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will be no room, there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer the devour for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be blessed. A delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So what he was telling them is they were bringing him weak sacrifices. They weren't bringing in the things that they needed as far as tithes and offering to take care of his house because that's what he's talking about. He needed the, he needed them to bring in the tides into the house because that was there and it was supposed to be for the widows, for the orphans, for everyone who needed help. It was supposed to be a place where they stored up everything and so that God could continue to bless them. Because when you gave back to God what he gave to you, it was like you showing him, okay, God, we appreciate what you've blessed us with here. We're giving you the best of it. We're giving you the best of it. And they had stopped doing that. They were like, no, we're not giving him anything, and he still better bless us. That was their attitude. So here it is where God says, this is where the judgment is coming in. Your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said, it is useless to serve God. Prophet is it that we keep his ordinance and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts. So now we call the proud blessed for those who do wickedness are raised up and even tempt God and go free. You see what I just said? The people are walking around like, please, we don't have to do that. He's still going to bless us. He's saying, everybody that's doing wickedness, they raising up the proud is blessed. Cause they like, why I got to bring in, he's still giving to me, blah, blah. Just what I just said to you is exactly what God said to them. And now here, because the people heard what he said, they feared what God had said when he said that, because I guess it was, Ooh, striking a nerve. Maybe some of them that was listening was like, Oh, maybe he might be talking about me. So, They made a book of remembrance and they wrote it before him for those who fear the Lord. For them to meditate on his name. So it was those who were in the crowd like, oh, well, that's not me. That's not really me. I don't do that. I don't do this. You know, everybody wants to separate themselves once everything hits the fan and everything's known to. Oh, no, that's not really me. I really don't do that. That's not me and my family, my household. We worship God all the time, you know. So they were like, oh, God, here, remember our name. We, we're not part of that group. We're not part of that group that disobeys you. So here we have in chapter four, God foretells what will happen in the day of his coming. Of His coming. for behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts that will leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like a stall-fed calf. You shall trample the wicked, and they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. So here it is. He was telling
0: them, When I come, everybody's going to be burnt like in an oven. The proud, yeah, all you walking around
1: with your chest puffed out, thinking that you could do whatever you want, (laughs) I'm coming and I'm going to burn you all up and there will be neither root nor branch, meaning that you will not be able to rise yourself up again. But those who fear me, you will have the sun of righteousness shining above you and with healing in his wings, he's going to, you know, God is saying he's going to take all those who believe in him and he's going to protect them and he's going to let them grow and be prosperous, right? So when I thought about this and I thought about how the people had apathy, which is going to be our word of the month, I thought about right before I took my little break, how sometimes you could be feeling so overwhelmed and tired and you know, because you're just constantly doing, 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 but you don't see any results of it. But here are some of the people, the people that let God know, yeah, don't forget me, I've been doing it. They were probably feeling just as tired because they were trying to do the right thing with everybody around them doing the wrong thing. But then it brought to mind Isaiah 40. But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope for him, will gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up their wings, rise up close to God like eagles rising towards the sun. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not grow tired. And that's what God is telling a lot of us. Because with everything going on in the world today and the apathy that we do see amongst people, not caring about anything of God, not even believing that there is a God, just thinking that the world is all about them and what they do, what they want to do, what their friends do, how they live their life, it does wear you down when you know you're trying to do the right thing and do right by people, and you feeling like everything is just closing in on you. But God says, hey, wait on the Lord. Just wait on him. He sees everything. He's going to renew your strength. And that ends op-ed. So before we end for today, because my time is growing short, it is a new month. We're starting the second half of the year. I hope all of you have been happy with what you've done in the first half. And if not, hey, you got the second half to catch up. Our word for the month of July is apathy. I think it's mighty appropriate for what we just learned in Malachi. And apathy means lack of interest enthusiasm, or concern. And I want you to think about it when you're going through your day-to-day routines. Have you started to pick up a little bit of apathy in things that you've done? Are you becoming a little apathetic towards not only just the things of God, but just even some things of life? I want you to really be aware of that. Where is that taking you? So our promise for this week is coming from Malachi seven. Yet the days of your fathers you have gone away yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them return to me and I will return to you says the Lord of hosts and with that i want everyone to have a blessed sunday And just remember everything that he said to you. Remember everything that we went through in here. Because even though we're talking about the Old Testament. And this was way, way, way years, 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 years (laughs) ago. It's still happening today. It's still happening today. But as God said, he was going to come. And he was going to make his name great among the Gentiles. But now we see even with his name being great among the Gentiles, people are still falling into that apathetic stage, that apathetic process and thought and just everything happening. So I want you all to be blessed. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And until God
0: brings us together again next week, Peace.